0: So why do we like historical assets here at Wolf Investments? Find out in this video. Welcome to Real Estate Investing with Kenny Wolf, the show with weekly topics designed to help you learn how to build your ideal life through real estate investing. My name is Kenny Wolf, and I've been a real estate syndicator and investor for almost 12 years now. And in this time, I've built a successful real estate investment firm, Wolf Investments. If you're new to the show, make sure to subscribe so you're notified when a new episode comes out. So what does a historical asset look like here at Wolf Investments? So far, it's been taking outdated, very vacant office buildings and converting them over to mixed use, but with a high percentage of that building ending up being A-class multifamily units. So we're taking an old office building, converting each floor into 10, 20 units per floor, um, all A-class, we're talking granite countertops, uh, brand new cabinets, um, state-of-the-art appliances, beautiful fixtures, and what we're left with are just immaculate views. Typically, these buildings are between, you know, 15 stories. Some as high as 30 stories tall. Also, very well located. So, what we're looking for on these historical buildings, and usually office, uh, one, we highly prefer them to be downtown because we're looking for a walk score in about the mid 80s or higher. Uh, that way, going into it, um, you know, we know our residents can walk to Starbucks, um, you know, walk to other inter- entertainment venues because we know when they're looking for a new place to live they see this cool hip um, office that's converted to a class multifamily they're also going to be looking at the location where's the dry cleaners where's uh, restaurants things like that that's what our residents look like so we have to look at these historical assets and the repurposing of them through their eyes the other thing too is we highly prefer the office buildings or whatever building we're buying to already be on the national registry of historic places we have worked with uh, um, some of these office owners where these buildings were not on there and got it there. Um, that adds about nine months to about a year of work uh, for us to buy the building, and it's a and we're you know we make that as a part of our contractual close is that it has to um, hit the National Registry of Historic Places because it's a big benefit to our investors, and I'll talk about that here in a second. I want to talk about why we also you know why do we like investing in these historical assets. I love it because I'm a history buff, but we, got, we get to breathe new life into these old buildings. Uh, we're taking vacant or mostly vacant properties and breathing new life into them, drawing more folks living in these locations, uh, which also helps the cities out. The cities love us typically to come in and take these what we call zombie office buildings to repurpose them to more modern use. Um, it brings more vibrancy to their town, uh, more jobs, and more people that are going to walk to the restaurants in downtown. Um, just overall, it's a win win with the city and us as the developer. Most of the time, these office buildings that we're buying um, there's very little deferred maintenance um, for those that don't know, deferred maintenance is where you know every year we um, you have to reinvest, you should reinvest um, capital uh, your money back into the property to keep the property up, looking nice, functioning properly. For those that have uh, vacant office buildings or maybe twenty percent occupancy, whatever it is, if it's that low, they're going to be tempted possibly to defer that maintenance or defer the, the capital needed to put into the property to make it look nice and operating functionally. Uh, but the flip side is a lot of these buildings that we're buying, they're massive. I mean, at the smallest, I think we're, we've bought is 140,000 square feet and the biggest is almost 500,000 square foot building. So these are these are usually institutional investors. So they do typically put in the money um, that's required to keep this property nice. So usually there's a little deferred maintenance, but it varies from property to property. And we, we, we mark everything that's deferred um, on our initial walkthrough at the property. Um, so besides, um, so because they're historical, we have to do a court scorecard. We have to talk to um, um, the National Registry um, of Historic Places. Uh, we we uh, submit our plan to them and show them what we're going to keep as historic. We go back and forth a little bit. Um, and basically, they tell us what pieces of the building, whether it's the um, um, you know, marble staircases or the, um, or the wood paneling walls or, uh, there's, or the lobby, there's um, pieces of that property that we need to keep historical. And we want to. It's definitely that charm uh, uh, that we get with the finished product. But whatever is not historical is basically being gutted. Uh, and we're installing new electric, uh, new HVAC, new plumbing, new elevators most of the time. Um, so we're getting what we're ended up with is this um, beautiful historic building. It's brought new life into it, but at the same time, it's got brand new systems. So it's going to be oper- our operating expenses are going to be a lot lower compared to maybe something that's built in the 70s and 80s where we haven't upgraded those operating um, systems yet. Another really cool thing about these historical assets is that it's uh, what I consider the ultimate upcycle. A good example is uh, we bought 45 E-Review. It's in downtown Cleveland. Um, It's almost 500,000 square foot office building, former AT&T headquarters. We're gonna convert it to 367 A-class multifamily units in the building. So if you compare that to what would um, the materials it would take to build a brand new 367 unit multifamily property, we're saving a lot of brand new materials, um, which is a very green way. Again, we're, we're recycling an old, outdated office building and breathing new life into it. So what's really cool is that we can typically use the exterior, maybe it's granite, maybe it's steel, glass, the windows we can usually reuse. Um, obviously, we're not having to pour new cement. Um, there's also just a whole bunch of savings that we get on material usage compared to a ground up multifamily property. Now, it varies from property to property. So some office buildings we can reuse more than others. It just depends on the age, the, the deferred maintenance, and uh, some other factors as well. But whatever we can save is a huge savings um, on compared uh, to uh, ground-up multifamily on the materials that we have to use in the project. So another big piece to investing in a historical property are the federal and state historic tax credits. So it's a lot of jargon right there, so let's break it down. So what's a historic tax credit? So usually investors like you and me, we can't really use these uh, these tax credits. So usually when we go out, um, you, you you sell these to bigger investors. So on one of ours, we had uh, Warren Buffett's company, we had J.P. Morgan Chase, we had Monarch, um, we had those kind of um, investors that want to buy this. So they'll pay you you know eighty five cents on the dollar, sometimes ninety, just depend on the state um, you're in and the federal um, and the uh, tax environment and their need for it at the same time. So there's a little bit of a sliding scale. Uh, but, um, so we sell those off, um, and so the federal um, is, is a guarantee. Once it's on the National Registry of Places, the federal grant um, is 20% of your hard construction costs. So, say it takes us, we buy a building, um, it's going to take, take $40 million uh, to, uh, to do the hard construction costs of that building. So, that means from the federal government, we're going to get about $8 million, Um, in grant money. It turns into grant money in year five, but we sell it to these other investors. They pay us 90 cents on the dollar. You can kind of see how that's a big benefit, a big boost to our property. So on a property of that size, if it's 40 million construction, maybe it's a $13 million purchase. We had to raise maybe five, $6 million. So if we're getting 8 million, maybe 80% of that, we basically have already doubled our investors' money on the equity side, just from the federal grant. On top of that, sometimes we get state grants as well. So And each state very different. Um, in Texas, it's more kind of a guaranteed thing. Ohio, it's very competitive. Uh, so each state is very different. So in our underwriting, uh, if we know we're going to get the state, we underwrite that. If it's a competitive thing like in Ohio, we don't underwrite it. It's just additional gravy. Uh, we have won it once. We won it last year. Uh, we think we'll win it a second year as well for another asset we have in downtown Cleveland. Uh, but those are huge benefits because, again, just from the federal loan, typically... We're doubling our investors' money, close to that, if not more, um, just from that grant. Uh, and again, that's a guaranteed thing. We do have to make sure we check the boxes at the end of the project, but we hire a consultant at the beginning. She walks through the uh, the property um, all the during construction, make sure we're saving those historical pieces, so we can score high enough for it to turn into a grant. But um, so we know that's pretty much a shoot-in thing. Um, we also sometimes get um, incentives from the local communities because these cities have a vested interest of breathing new life into these buildings. Um, these zombie buildings are just a drag on certain sections of their downtown. So they get, when we talk to these cities, they're very excited when we come in and show a plan of how to um, reimagine this building. Um, and you know obviously we're uh, going to be putting in two, 300, sometimes units multifamily units, so people are going to be living in there, they're going to be walking to restaurants, they're going to be walking to retail, so the cities see a big boost on their sales income tax when we come in and do a project like this. So they're very incentivized uh, and encouraged when we come in and say we've got a new plan, a new vision for this building. Obviously, we're, in the, we're an investment company, so we're looking for big returns for our investors. So this, these adaptive use, reuse, or, you know, again, taking historical office buildings, converting them to multifamily, these fall underneath our development arm here at Wolf Investments. So on the types of returns, um, our investors that come into these, um, they're not really looking for cash flow today because obviously we have to, if, the, if the property has any occupancy, we've got to clear it out, they have to do the construction, and they have to release the property to get revenue back in the door. So there's not going to be any cash flow for the first two years or so until we release it back up and get revenue back in the door. But why are investors like these properties? Not just because they're historical. They can point to it to their investor or to their friends, like I invested in that. Uh, but they also get big appreciation on their money. So if we're taking a, an office building and, then, and maybe they're getting 20 bucks a foot potentially in revenue a, month, or a year on that on per square foot, you know, on multifamily, these A-class, we're getting more like $36 a foot or more. So, obviously, our revenue on our repurpose is much larger uh, compared to what it was when we bought it. So, that's why we see this big value gain for our investors, which is really awesome. So, typically, we're seeing about a 3x return. So, if you put in 100k, it should be worth about $300,000 right around year five. Now, that's on paper because what, we ha- what happens is around year two or three, we've created the vast majority of that value. Um, because we've done the done the done the rebuild, we've leased it back up, we've got much higher revenue coming in the door, so a lot of a lot of values has been created. So we go to a lender, we do a cash out, refi, and pull out about maybe fifty to eighty percent of the initial investment that those investors invested. So put in a hundred K, you're gonna get back maybe fifty K, maybe all the way up to eighty K of your money back out of the deal. And then we hold it for another five, seven, ten years, whatever that is, compared to uh, when we look at the C on the sales price, when we can maximize the sale um, and get highest returns for our investors. So, and that's all market-based. Uh, but after we do the refi, then it cash flows quarterly to our investors based on the operations of the asset. To recap why we buy these historical buildings, number one is I'm a huge history buff. I love being able to point to an asset that we own that has, a, that's, that has had a historical significance of impact on the community where we own the asset. Our investors love this too. They like to point to it with their friends, their family and say, hey, I own a piece of history. It's pretty cool. We also like love being part of like and love being part of the solution of our housing shortage in this country. It's because what we're doing, obviously, is we're taking underutilized assets like office that we need less of today and converting it to um, residential where folks can live, work, play. Um, and definitely fits more of the need today than it did as an office building. And lastly, we love being a part of these historical buildings because we add massive value for not only just our investors, but the residents that live there call the place home in a really cool historic building. And also, we have a big impact on the key communities that we're involved in. This has been Real Estate Investing with Kenny Wolf. Thanks so much for listening.